to find really good stuff. Okay, well, let's just go straight straight to it. Like my my personal dream. Yeah, that's what I want to finally. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's like pulling teeth over here. God, I know. I'm really. I'm. I'm bad. I'm terrible. <laughs> it's okay. I understand. Sometimes it's it's, it's scary it to is, actually. It like, actually is like say these say things out loud. Say what your personal dream is. Yeah, but no, my 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 actual personal dream is. Welcome to Own the Future, a podcast made for and by changemakers, where we gain the courage to own our story, the freedom to own our craft, and the power to own the future. I am your host, and today we have another interview, and it is with NG. NG is a fashion designer out of Egypt who grew up and lived in New Zealand for a number of years, Saudi, and is now here in Dubai making fashion pieces, one piece, custom-ordered, at a time why we'll get into it in this episode but she believes in reducing waste and making an impact with her life with her work with her words with her art with her craft there's some things that we go really deep into in this episode one it's the value of you as a human being with or without your craft where does that come from how does that happen we talk about again the most important most influential person on the face of the planet we talk about uh, nihilism we talk about what you need to do in those first seven to 12 months if you're launching a new company if you're launching out in your solo entrepreneurial endeavor i think this is a great episode where Angie and i go real deep into nuances not only of fashion but of society and life and meaning so sit back and enjoy this episode so you are a fast i mean slow fashion designer yes <laughs> slow fashion designer yeah. and we're going to talk about your your evolution into that but mm. you have been you have left other client work yeah. about seven months ago now. Yeah. Who were you working with before and why did you decide to leave and go out on your own? Okay. So when I, when I first moved here, I was like trying to work and there wasn't really much work in the field that I wanted to do. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'm just going to make my own work. And so I, I put, I put myself out there as a technical pattern maker for regional designers. So I started like collecting sort of a database. So what does a technical here. pattern maker do? So pattern making is basically creating a template or a cut for the clothing. Mm -hmm. So it's literally a physical template that you put on fabric and then cut it out and then you can repeat it as many times as you want. Okay. Um, and so that that's all. It can be super simple, but it can also be really difficult and like intricate. So would a client come to you and say, hey, I want a piece of clothing that looks like this mm. and then you would go away and actually make the pattern for their vision. Pretty much, yeah. And so I wasn't working with like individual clients. I was working with a, a designer that's producing. Um, okay. And so they would come to me with like a few pieces or even a full collection. Um, so designers don't actually, a lot of designers don't lot actually, of. don't know how to cut their own material and make their own. They just have a, a sky, a pie in the sky sort of vision and they're like, oh, it'd be great if it was red and kind of flowy like this and Kinda. some tool. And, a little bit, yeah. And then you go and actually execute their vision for them. Pretty much. And so I was happy doing that. Like as, as a fresh graduate, I was like, okay, this is really good. I'm contributing. I'm even learning. Like I'm doing uh, pieces that I wouldn't do for myself. And so I'm learning different types of things and cutting. It's all the same technique. You just have to 
see how it's like mathematics. Like you just you're like, how am I going to solve this problem? Right. You haven't done it before, but you figure out how you're going to solve it. It's like right. that. Um, and so it was really it was really good. Um, how many years after because you were 11 years in New Zealand. Is that correct? Uh, not not altogether. Not altogether. Not altogether. But spread out 11 years in yeah, New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. From New Zealand, you decided to move. Here to Dubai. Yeah, I moved here after all my siblings had moved here. Okay. And so you had family here. I have family here. All of my four siblings are here. Okay. And um, they didn't. They didn't all move here at the same time. They were sort of like one by one. I was the last one. They're like, all right, come, come over. And I was like, all right, okay. It's awesome. So, so I did that. Uh, yeah. And so I just had to figure out what I was gonna do. It was great. It was like there was like a serious gap in the market because as soon as I put myself out there, I started getting hits. Like people being like, oh, I, I actually need this. Wow. Which was crazy That's because great. I think I was 22. So imagine that like... Fresh out of university and... And so new into the scene. Like I came in here and there was nobody else doing it, which is which is so crazy to me. I started getting like teaching jobs and like... That is crazy. Come, Why don't you think workshop? anyone else was doing it? I don't... Did just no one went to university has the expertise? And, and is here. Like there are obviously people that have obviously. done this, but they're, they're just not here. <laughs> so... I just thought it was really weird because especially the workshop part when people started calling me over to do workshops and I'm like 22 or like 23 and I walk in and there's people older than me and they'll be like, right, so where's the instructor? And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm it. Like, <laughs> it's wow. me. Like, wow. Oh. Yeah. So that and was... you've worked with some pretty big names. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so so it's it's been good. Like I had, and it was it was really good because I started like getting recommended by other people. It, it ended up being like a really good like word of mouth type network. Wow. Um, I didn't have to do like I didn't have to do it on social media at all, mostly because they they don't want that. Like they don't they don't want people to know who's behind the scenes of their right. brands. You know what I they mean? They don't. They want they want to everyone to think that they are the full thing. The full thing when <laughs> yeah. really you're the magician behind the curtain. Or even. Or even bring awareness to the fact that this is something that happens behind the scenes because people might not even know that this is a thing. Because isn't that if you in don't point some it way, out. if I'm a if I'm a quote unquote designer and all I'm doing is drawing on my whiteboard a kind of sketch and taking a picture and what's happening to you and you then go and fulfill that, doesn't then that takes away the gatekeeper in some ways, that is that it gives access to anyone who has a vision mm. and it's no longer this elite, you know, sort elite of, yeah. crowd. Uh, yeah, kind of. <laughs> so nobody wants anybody to know who's who's behind the scenes. Nobody will talk about their pattern maker or their tailor or... It's all hush-hush. It's very quiet and, and, and it's just like you're building a star type thing. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of why you are probably pushing against stardom i don't i don't want it i never wanted it i just i want to create nice things i enjoy creating i enjoy the process of it like the process for me is part of the product if anything mm -hmm. like i really enjoy going through all of the steps and the failures of it and the successes of it and like the accidents and all of that mm. um because a lot of the creation even comes with like you know happy accidents type thing so like all that whole process is part of what you see at the end Right. So when you, you move to Dubai, mm. you're 22. Yeah. You're out of university. What was that? What step did you take to get into the market here, into a very niche market that I'm assuming is very, as we talked about, as you mentioned, it's very closed door, very mm -hmm. hush hush, very yeah. like, you know, 
I you have to go through five assistants to get access to me sort of deal. Yeah. How did you what was some of the ways that you broke into that? I mean, you were at Gucci last night. So, I mean, clearly you've broken in. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this is four years later. Still. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, so honestly, it was it was very surprising for me because at the time, I don't know if you know about Fashion Forward. It's like it's like the I guess the fashion week of Dubai. Mm hmm. Uh, we don't have to talk about that too much. But anyway, they have on their website a database of all the designers that were ever there or who have ever participated. So I just went on that. They either had their contacts directly on there, uh, emails and all that, or or it was just a name and I would go to their Instagram and get the contact. And so I did that. I created a whole like Excel sheet of it. And then I went to an email and I created an email as well. It was like called Creative Pattern Cutters and cutters it's just me like it was just, it was just the one i have a sweatshop i have a i have a factory in my bedroom <laughs> literally <laughs> um but yeah i mean it works right when you do stuff like that yeah. and so i that was it it was like ng at creative pattern cutters.com wow <laughs> the website had like nothing on it <laughs> and you just but, cold did you cold email or did you come in soft how did you? I, I went, I, I emailed people personally, like by the name. So every email was like personalized. Hi, and Fatima. I love your whatever collection that you did yeah, last year. Pretty much. If you're looking for a cutter. Yeah. Just like that. Let me know. Like some of them were copy pasted. Some of them were a little bit different if I did actually know a bit of their work. Uh, two days, exactly. Exactly two days and I got a call. And I was just like, whoa, this is a bit ins- insane, like a bit intense. Yeah. Because I didn't expect, I didn't even have tools. Like I had nothing. I, I wasn't actually prepared for it to happen that fast. <laughs> You're like, this isn't going to work. <laughs> because I left all my stuff in New Zealand. I wasn't going to move with tools. I think I had, I potentially had bought the machine or I think I bought the machine, my sewing machine when I realized that I was actually getting work. Like at this, in that same week I went and got it. Wow. Um, And then I ordered all my tools and I, I sorted myself So you myself left out. all your tools in New Zealand. Mm. So you had no tools. You're like, this isn't going to work, but I might as well email people anyways. And then it started working. You're like, oh, crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to find a sewing <laughs> machine. <laughs> Pretty much. Wow. And so, I, and when I, okay, let's talk about like actual physical tools, but also tools as in, I didn't have sources. I don't right. have contacts. I don't have, I don't know, I don't know where to buy buttons. Like, I don't know anything right. at this point, right? right? And so it's I like just, more than just like, I don't have a knife. It's no, like, it's literally like everything. Where I do I go to find anything? I just where have, do I, source? I just oh have me goodness. and my skill set and that was it, right? And so. Was that, how did that feel? Did, did you feel intimidated? Did you feel like, oh, this is easy? Did you feel stuck? Were you thinking of giving up? Um, at the, in the beginning, it was exciting because. I mean, I wanted it. Obviously, I went, I went, and I went and did that. So it was good that that happened really quick. And I was like, "Cool, okay, I, I need to go get all these things and sort myself out." Started working with with a designer that contacted me like immediately, and um, that was it. Wasn't a great experience at all because why not? Okay, so pattern makers as a concept is really, really like normal in Europe and the U.S. Like it's normal everywhere, and. People know that it's an expensive thing because it's super time consuming. Like it actually can take up to like four hours to create one piece, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's very time consuming. It's a lot of work. It's not easy work either. And so it is expensive to get one piece. But then when you think about it, you divide that cost upon like 
your whole production. It ends right. up being fast fashion that's like 10,000, 100,000 <laughs> yeah. pieces. But even, I mean, I never worked with fast fashion designers. <laughs> you just, you love. I love it. I'm just, just razzing you because <laughs> just building up so that you are heated just for when explode. we actually get into that. <laughs> um, but yeah, but even if you're producing like 50 pieces and you divide whatever, like the, the, the 2,000 that you paid me for one piece on that, it's okay, mm-hmm. right? Considering that you're probably going to sell one piece for 2000 So right. it's all good, right? But they didn't they didn't like this because everybody obviously wants the lowest cost possible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I had, and I was obviously like fresh out of uni, super timid, like really like, they'll be like, how much? And I'm like, oh, whatever, you know. Whatever like, you want. Whatever you want to pay is fine. <laughs> you know, I didn't really have that, like that knowledge of how to sort of go about that. Yeah. Um, and so I did struggle a bit in the beginning in terms of how to actually get my money. So this <laughs> like, person just took it. They didn't. They didn't give you your money, or they just didn't want to pay you what you're worth, or you just said, "Hey, exposure is great." I didn't. I didn't go for the exposure thing, but it was definitely like I just literally took whatever they were gonna give me, and it was peanuts. Like I got paid peanuts in the beginning <laughs> because any like right now I'm still okay with it because I was just breaking into it. Right. And having worked with like designers who are like currently renowned in the region, whatever, it's fine. I can still say I've worked with these people, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but then eventually, I started getting more work and different types of work. Uh, so, I, like, I started doing the workshops, and I started working with more designer, more designers at once. And so, I was able to like in my head be like, you know, what? If you don't want to pay me, I don't need it. Right. And that and that and that worked as well, because people like. People like that for some reason. They like. Oh, they love that. You know, like they'll be like, oh, she's too expensive. And then someone else will be like, what would, why is she too expensive? Like, I want to work with her. And so. Right. Because like, people want the best. <laughs> yeah. Right. So when you're in the race to the, when you're in the race to the bottom, it's just like, well. Yeah. Wh- why? why? Why pay you? If, well, if you're, if, if your work is cheap, then I don't want it. Yeah. And yeah. then the moment that you raise your prices mm. or like when people say like, you know what? Since I'm just starting off, mm. and I've even done this, since I'll just give you a low price. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> But this isn't but then, actually my price. So then they're like, great. So, like, I'll pay you the 5000 yeah. whatever it is, for the, this piece. But then once you say, okay, no, now I'm raising my prices to the 10000 well, they're going to go to the $20,000 person or dirham person. Yeah. And try to get it for ten. They don't want you for ten. They got you for five. Exactly. They want the 20 for ten. Exactly. Right? So if you're discount shopping... You're losing. It's either I, I, I've come to the place where I'll, I either do free work mm-hmm. or full paid work. Exactly. No discount. And free would be just like, like there's, there's reasons why this is happening. Right. You know? Right. Um, like it could either be like a barter deal or it could be a, a favor. And I know that it's going to give me some sort of return, whatever. Like right. there's reasons behind it. Right. But the discount. The discount. You think it's going to work? Oh, it's the worst. It does not work. It just devalues you. It says, I'm yeah. actually not worth 100%. Mm. I'm worth 100 minus 25%. Yeah. It's like, I don't want that. No one yeah. wants that. No, exactly. They want the best, especially in that fashion world. Yeah. Right? People exactly. want to people want to brag about how much their cutter costs because exactly. their cutter is the best. And how much their piece costs to make. And right. The, the, the best quality. and It's all about the and story. And I, I got a cutter that studied in New Zealand. Whoa, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's all about that. It's, What's your I can't tell you. That's top secret. <laughs> she's mine. <laughs> yeah, she's mine. Super. You couldn't afford her anyways. Could, exactly. Especially with your, your designs and, you know. <laughs> she probably wouldn't even do it for Yeah, you. she wouldn't. <laughs> 
You're way <laughs> below her, right? But that's but that's the story <laughs> that's what people want. that people want yeah. to buy. Not only the designers, mm. but then the person who's buying those clothes. They want to buy that story. Yeah, exactly. So it just worked. It wor- for that time, it worked. It was. So how did you transition out of that? You woke up, you started, you started having enough clients where you say, actually, I don't need you, mm. right? Which is a great thing to be aware of. If, you, yeah. if you're holding on to one client, it means that you don't have a filled pipeline. Yeah. So when you began to make that transition and started getting more workshops, more clients, yeah. what was going through your mind at that point as you're beginning to build and get more busy with your time? Yeah. This is the point where I was like, wait, you need to take a step back and remember that you actually want to build your own brand. Mm-hmm. And so this is something that was like on my mind throughout. I started working like in the middle of 2016. I moved in the beginning of 2016. And until that point, I was like interning a little bit here and there with like art, like an artist and just different types of things. And then I was like, okay, I'm like bored out of my mind. I need to, I need, I need to be really busy. Like I like being super busy. Um, But yeah, so then I launched my brand in 2017 and it was very sort, it was all stuff taken from my graduate collections. Okay. Which is fine. I'm really happy doing that because those are pieces like going to university to study fashion is such a luxury. Like it's such a privilege because you just you're just there in this bubble creating and you don't have to worry about selling this or anything like you're just there creating, developing. It's like a beautiful place to be. So the pieces that I developed when I was at university are probably still some of the strongest things that I've ever done. Really? Because I had the time. I had no worries, literally, ever. Like, my whole my whole life was that. Nothing else was on my mind, you know? You don't have to worry about uh, being famous or, or making money or how many suppliers. How are we going to get it to the market? Nothing. And... Nothing matters at all. You just want to create and develop and learn the skill and go further. So, What even, was your favorite piece from that time? Um, there's one piece that uh, I made for my graduate collection in third year. And um, it was it was great. It's... I call it the space coat because like the hoodie is huge. And honestly, I'm still using it until now. Oh, really? I'm still using that pattern. I use it with with different fabrics. I modify it a little bit. But that one, I created a print for it. And I went and like I did the screen print myself. I learned how how to do screens. You know, it was really fun. Um, And it's still a great piece. Like I literally wore it last week. It's a rain jacket. So I wore it when it rained. So cool. Yeah, it was great. Um, Yeah. And so I I still use those templates until now. I just modify them. So, yeah, I, I, I enjoy that. So you're starting to launch your own brand. Or you're, you're, you're doing all this work. Yeah. You're busy for other people. And then you're like, wait a minute. Mm. I remember I wanted to, I got into this because I wanted to create my own art. For me. Not yeah. manifest someone else's exactly. vision. Yeah. And so in 2017, I, sort of, I did that. I, and, I, and I did a, an event and it was really great. And at this point, like I met, a few people in the industry so it was good so I had some people come in and then some friends and friends of friends and it actually ended up being like a hundred plus type event which was wow crazy because Congratulations. barely I, I didn't know that this was going to happen I just I just did an event and I was like cool I just want people to come I didn't sell anything because for people it was like overpriced on the day, I didn't tell. I did afterwards, but on the day, I think people expected it to be sort of like a cute little t-shirt brand and I'm just going to come in and buy a t-shirt and mm-hmm. leave. They didn't realize that it was going to be like sort of more intricate pieces and they're higher priced. And so nobody was really prepared for that. 
Um, and also when people go to spend that amount of money, they want it to be like an established designer so that they right. can at least say, look what I bought from this designer from so and not from this. Because you're buying a story. Yeah. And so, yeah, so so people sort of needed a little bit of time to buy into the idea. And I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, it took a little bit of time, but it worked at the end of the day. And the name of your brand is One in Four, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so break that down. What does that mean? Why did you name it One in Four? Um, so... Basically, it's about me and my siblings. Um, I in the beginning, it was sort of we're four girls and one boy, and so at time he's always like I'm one, right? And I'm like, okay, sure, you know. (laughs) So it's him and us four, but uh, essentially, it's like one, as in yourself, and the four corners of your life, right? Like the 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 anchors of your Mm. life. Like if you're a room, what what's holding you up, basically? And I I read that thing might have been Vogue that I read Mm -hmm. that, but what. So my question there was, well, what what do you see those four corners being? What's the four corners for your brand? What's the four corners for your life? Or is it just kind of like anyone can have whatever four corners? Or do you feel like there's four anchors that you have in your brand, in your life that mm-hmm. kind of anchor you and direct you in the vision, the direction that you want to go? Yeah, that's a really good question. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, definitely. Like, obviously, in my life, my family literally is my anchors because we've all just lived in different places and different times. Like, this is, I mean, obviously, I moved here four years ago, but it had been almost ten years that I had that I wasn't living with my siblings. Wow. Um, they all. I'm the youngest one, so they had all left home already, except for my brother. He's only two years older than me, so we we've been around each other more than all the all the others. But um. It, it was just like when I, mo- I and I moved here and then I decided the name. It wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't always like that. And it was crazy because it took me a little bit of time to actually get used get used to them at all. Be used to being around them again. Yeah. Get used to yeah. even having these siblings and, and reintroducing myself to them in a way like I felt like they didn't they didn't know me because some of like my two older sisters, they left when I was like 11 or 12. So and then I came back as a 22 year old being like, yeah, I want to work, you know, so it was, yeah. a, it was a bit of a shock for everyone. Like they're still treating me a bit like a kid. And I'm like, wait, this is nobody knows me here. It was a bit crazy. Totally. And totally. then you grew up and yeah. And then and then I spent time with them and then I realized, wow, these people like these are my people mm-hmm. and they're always going to be my people no matter where we all go. It's amazing. Um, which is, it's such a beautiful thing, right? It is beautiful. Um, we've all literally like all lived in different places at different times and then we all came together. And so now people see us and they're like, wow, it's so cool that you're all here. And I'm like, I want, I need to tell you though, it's not always been like this. Um, yeah. So this is the point where I realize they're, they're, they're definitely like an important part of my life. Um, in terms of the brand, though, because going back to that great question, <laughs> they would definitely, if, if I'm going to create like four different anchors, they would definitely be one anchor altogether, including my parents, obviously. As be in, family. Yeah, as in like the support system. Because as a brand, like as a fashion brand, yeah, isn't that like a lifestyle brand in some ways? In some ways, you're trying to promote a certain way of living with slow fashion and sustainability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so in some ways, you're, you like every other fashion designer, you're selling a story more mm. than selling a piece of clothing. Yeah. And so what, I think you're in the process of telling that, but when you're, like, it's not like you're going to pitch to your your tribe, my family is one of your anchors. It's like yeah, family. No. Yeah, exactly. I, even, but I mean, even then, I'm not going to, oh, that sounded different. 
<laughs> I'm not going to go and tell people like family needs to be one of your anchors because maybe it's not like you don't know people's stories. For some people, family but but is out of the picture, you know, but like. Yeah, but even if family is out of the picture, it's something that we all long for. We might find yeah. family. You might right, find it chosen. in your tribe. Yeah, your chosen family. Right. But I think as brands, especially as lifestyle brands, mm-hmm. um, especially with, with you where you're selling a story. Yeah. Like people are buying a story. In some ways, you do have to tell them like this is a story that you're buying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that you're finding people that are identifying with mm. your brand, identifying with those anchors saying yeah. this is who we are. People like us do things like this. Yeah. So I think you should. No, you're right. You need to tell them that family is one, like, it's family is an anchor. It's a thing. For sure. No, you're right. Yeah. I'm going to use that. I'll send you an invoice. <laughs> no discounts. Consultation. <laughs> <laughs> Live consultation. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So, so what are your other three anchors? The other three anchors, right. So uh, one of the other ones, like one of the biggest ones is practicality. And What so does that mean? I... Like for me, design has to, has to have function. Okay. Like, so like human centric design. Yeah, one hundred percent. Obviously, there there are pieces. So for me, I I like to say that sort of the the way that the human body needs the the garment to be is what actually leads the design. Mm-hmm. And so and then and then I'm like, okay, let's see. It's like a conversation. Mm. Let's see what does the body need. What can we design for it? And then how, what's it gonna look like? So here's a question. I I confess, mm-hmm. and I'm, I I have to make this confession. I am not a fashion person. Okay. I mean, I mean, I, I like, I like, you know, my when when my wife, yeah, praise God for my wife. <laughs> before I got married, you know, I was still wearing, you know, probably clothes from high school. It was like horrendous. So she has like definitely shaped my way of thinking. So okay. I do, I do like great clothes. Not that I have a lot of them. Mm-hmm. But I'm more kind of like, okay, let's just get simplistic, kind of the same thing. Yeah. But when I see some of your designs, Mm -hmm. there's this one, it's kind of like the see-through shirt with these big, big, poofy um, arms. Yeah. What's the name of that one? The the ambo shirt, the the yellow one. No, it's like, it was like blue, blue, black or something like that. Anyways, it was like this, this huge baggy. Okay baggy poofy arms yeah (laughs) to me that doesn't seem practical that seems like i'm gonna like catch it on something like there's so much fabric it's um i think you're are you talking about the hoodie it's not see-through though oh i don't know i don't know but i don't know how to find it there is a there's a bunch of stuff with big sleeves like i'm not even gonna deny it it's fine (laughs) is that is that does that fall underneath the practicality or does that fall underneath yeah Underneath the design, right? Because well, that's definitely not that's definitely not sustainable. You're using a lot more fabric than you could use, right? You are, yeah, you are using a lot more fabric than you could use. <laughs> but also at the same time, um, it's like you're, you you cut things in a way that you don't waste the fabric anyway. So you're using more of it, but you're not you're not wasting. Like you're not cutting things and wasting mm. them. And so that's a huge part of it as well. That like the waste. Good save. <laughs> I got this. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So practicality. Practicality is one for sure. What's your other two? Um, the other one would definitely be the pattern making. So the actual technique behind the clothing is so important. Like I, I hold so much value in that. I don't. I don't feel like 
I can put out a piece that I don't think that I like not labored over, but put a put a lot of attention into. I don't want that. So like intentionality, you know? like yeah, building with intent, building exactly with like a, con- a conversation. Like, yeah, like there's a thoughtfulness in each piece, and I like to think that like whatever energy I put into the garment, what whoever is taking it is gonna receive that, you know, and like mm-hmm. feel like yeah, I feel like they feel a little bit more connected to the be- the piece just because it's not fast. Like there was there was actually attention put into this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you? F- and so what's the, before I ask this question, what's the, what would you say the fourth, your fourth anchor of your brand is? Um, ooh. Well, I mean, I guess now it's sustainability. So it wasn't always sustainability. It wasn't always. It was always something that was on my mind, but. Because like, even some of your first pieces, mm. they didn't really look like they were slow fashion. It looked like it was a t-shirt with some embroidery on it. Yeah. Like, I'm not your lover and yeah, 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 uh, yeah. grab me by the heart. Yeah. Right, those those kind of seem like I don't know. This doesn't seem super slow fashion. No, no, exactly. To me, yeah. what was what was the trigger? Because one thing that I really like about you is that at least you're working to be congruent in your worldview. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of people talking about the environment, and I I personally think that they're just repeating the liberal media that right. has been fed to them, and they're buying fast fashion, which is the second most destroyer of the environment globally like there's oil fossil fuels right and then the fashion industry that's responsible for the industry it's a bit crazy yeah so i I love like when i started digging into your stuff i love that you have like that you came to and you're like okay i need to have a congruent world view if i actually care about the environment yeah i'm gonna go all the way and do something different I think in your words, you're like, I'm either going to do it or not do it at all. Like, I'm either going to actually be Literally. environmentally conscious and exactly. go slow yeah, or I'm going to quit. Mm. So what, hap- what happened? Like, what was going on beside- behind the scenes, that conversation as you like to even use? Yeah. Um, I think it, it happened right after I left that last client that I was working with. And that had been like a year and a half of working with this clients and sort of like developing their designs. And and in this, at, at that stage, I had I had been really conscious. I've always been more, um, uh, more on the side of like worker safety, worker conditions, like have to be good, all of that. I wasn't so, I was aware of obviously being sustainable, but I wasn't like doing it actively. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of that, I was doing it and I felt like, I was sort of pushing ideals on people that they didn't really care about either. And so at the end of it, I moved I moved back and I was like, okay, I, I just need to like take a second to just understand, do I even want to be doing any of this? So what ideals were you pushing on people? All of that of like, I'm not, they're like, well, well can you get sort of a cheaper production? But I, do, I don't want to because they don't have a bathroom. Like, right. you know, like I, I really, I really would like to be doing things in places where I can see it myself. I don't want to be working with places where... They can't even give me a certification. They don't. Want, they don't even want to send me pictures of their factory to see what it looks like. Mm-hmm. They don't want to share any information or like be transparent. The transparency was like really a huge thing for me. Like I just want to know what are your practices like, right? And what am I feeding into? Right. Because there's so much. I mean, modern slavery. There's more slaves today than in any other point in history. So scary. <laughs> and a lot of it is is wrapped up in these sweatshops. Exactly. You know, yeah. I did the. There's a test online. You might have seen it. It's like, how many slaves do you own? Something like that. Oh, God. I and I did the test. <laughs> and it, I was like, oh, my gosh. Triggering. I have like 71 
slaves working for me. Wow. How did based, how does that work? I need to do that. Please it's send that based to me. on like how many toys like mm. you have, how many cl- pieces, okay. items of clothing you have, how many your car, right. your house, Oof. how many slaves you essentially have yeah. working for you. Doing things. And for so you. much is wrapped up in, in the clothing these industry. industries yeah, yeah. that they have this it's invisible that we don't see. Yeah. I mean like the fact that we have a phone, mm. right? It shows that, you know, well, there's someone probably in the Congo somewhere that mined those minerals that are now in our phone. Like that's a slave that's working for us. And so I think oftentimes when those, I always bring that up when the identity politics kind of come in, when they're Mm. like, well, I'm being oppressed by so-and-so. I'm like, yeah, well, you have a phone. You're also oppressing all these other people. Yeah. How how are you then supposed to pay those people back if you're going to play, if you're going to have a concurrent worldview? So I love- going back to you, is that you kept your principles, you kept your value, and you actually thought it all the way through. You thought through your whole supply chain. Yeah. Not only with your people, but then also the products and exactly. the pollution that's yeah. being caused through chemicals and dyes. Mm. and Yeah, all of that. So people didn't, you were pushing these views on people. <coughs> Excuse me. They weren't super interested. They just wanted a slightly better margin on their product. Yeah. and. Which it's fine. Like this is the this is the industry. This is what everybody wants. I just didn't want to be a part of it, you know. And then when I took a step back, I was like, do do I even want to do this like for myself? Do I believe in this at all anymore? And it started getting really crazy. I'd be like, well, what, what? what you were saying, like, do I even want to be environmentally friendly? No, do I even want to be in this industry okay. at all? You know, because I was like, I'm as a as like a per, my. Me, like me, as a as person, a human. as a human being myself. I think we can say, do we still say human as a PC? I think so. I think I it don't is. know. I don't know. <laughs> yes, as your as a human, as, as a yourself, hu- as myself. I'm I'm pretty minimal. Like I, I have some clothes and I rewear them constantly. Yeah. And like you'll see me in the same clothes. I don't care. Like mm-hmm. it's fine. Um, I I'll get a phone and I'm gonna use it until it literally like shatters. Right, <laughs> you know, right. I don't care about having a new. I just need something to like call people and te- you know, I, that's it. You're not into that consumer rat race. I don't need that. I don't want it. I don't. I don't care. At but aren't all. a lot of don't a lot of people want that? Aren't, aren't a lot of people wanting the new product, the new shirt, the new well, absolutely fashion the, the line thing every is like, six months, every well, three months. We enable it like. We enable fast fashion because we keep asking for more stuff and not just fast fashion, fast technology, electronics, iPhone 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Mm-hmm. They just keep coming one after the other. Right. And your iPhone 10 is fine, but for some reason you already have the 11. I don't even know if those are the right numbers. Yeah, I think like, they are. They are. Yeah. They are, right? <laughs> or X or whatever. I'm still I don't on know. a 7. But yeah, right. Exactly. Just don't tell anyone that. But is it like... <laughs> It's fine, right? Like it yeah, works. Yeah, my, my phone's great. It's all good. I have like a Huawei, and all my friends make fun of me. They're like, "What is that? Your camera is terrible. Your stories look so bad." I'm like, "I don't care." <laughs> oh, you too. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, I actually I just don't care, you know. Um, but yeah, I can't remember where we we're going with this. We're talking about how <laughs> I'm asking. I'm saying like, don't. But a lot of people do care. Like a yeah. lot of people do. It's. I mean, it's you were just like Gucci. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I was looking through like a lot of the stories from that party last night. It looked yeah. like a very fun and wild time. And yeah. a lot of us eccentric people wearing eccentric clothing. Yeah. And I can only imagine <coughs> what those some of those people's wardrobe must look like. It's probably mm. 
you know, they have a full bedroom full of clothes. Yeah. And a lot of the... But those are the people that you're selling to. A lot of the people that were there yesterday... Right, that's, your, that's your clientele. Well, I mean, not necessarily, to be honest, because most of the people that have bought things from me are people that they don't even post it online, which I'm cool with. Like, so many people have bought from me. They don't post about it online. They're people that, like, are not even in my immediate circle. Mm-hmm. Some people online, you know, like, overseas people... I don't know how they reach it, but they reach it, right? And so that's kind of, and, I, and I'll get people that, that will buy the thing and then be like, I feel really good when I wear this, right? And so that's, that's the client that I've always wanted. Like I want, I, I want the person that's going to buy something is the type of person that generally in their life curates everything that they have. Mm. Like I chose this couch for this reason and my car for this reason and everything. Like there's a reason behind so why almost, you chose everything. Your so market I want you to is almost this. that minimalist that mm. wants the best. Exactly. That wants to be able to wear that piece of clothing and have it for how three, many? four times a week Yeah, and love it. Exactly. And then maybe you're going to put it away for like five years and then bring it back out, you know, even that I'm happy with that too. And so, and that's, and I'm really like glad to say that that's actually the clientele that I've been getting. Um, yeah. Obviously, my life is still a little bit conflicting because I still feel like I, I still feel like I'm still producing stuff at the end of the day, even if it's good and sustainable. And I use the dead stock fabric and the good dyes and the vegetable dyes and non-chemical. And we've got all the certifications ready now, you know, Congratulations. <laughs> ready to show everyone. So I'm, I'm glad I'm glad with that. But I still I still have that little like existential <laughs> crisis of like, am I am I using my time for good? I don't know. Why still. do you feel like that is? Uh, I just this is this is the question of the year. <laughs> question of the year. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Whoa, that, you got it's, really excited. I got, I got coffee all over. <laughs> question of the year. Yeah. So you've been struggling with this. I mean, because yeah. seven months ago. Yeah. I don't know what that month that we we're in the end of November. I think it was like July, June or May or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Seven months ago, you said enough's enough. Mm. I'm ditching my clientele and I'm. Yeah. Doing this on my own. So I was building first, my own brand. First of all, I was like, well, anyway, I can't like expect people to give my brand any attention if I'm not. That's first of all. Obscurity is an issue. Well, yeah. Yeah. And not even just that. It was more of like, I have all this client work to do. And in whatever time I get, I'll do my brand. And so if I'm giving my brand a month of attention, that's that's as much as it's going to give me back. Right. Right. And so I was like, I need to give it more than that because I can't just, I can't expect a lot from the people that are like looking at my brand. I can't expect them to want it or. If you're not putting anything into it. Or ask about it. it if, if I'm giving it a month of attention. Yeah. Like barely. A month out of a year. A month right. out of a year, you know. Um. So I was like, okay, I, I need, if I'm going to do this, I need to do this and just mm-hmm. like put everything away so scary because it just means that you're not making money for a while also yeah yeah. (laughs) so so scary how long can you hold your breath right yeah i'm I'm holding (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah so that's that's been a bit of a journey you know and so because before you were doing kind of medium fashion it wasn't fast it wasn't slow it Um, was you're thinking about your 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 product line you're not product line you're supply chain mm. right Mm-mm. and you're making sure that some things are in place yeah you're not fully building your brand you're helping other people and your brand's kind of side gig yeah so i'm really in between you're in between yeah and you've is it in this time that you start to wrestle with am i going to go 
in fully into super slow fashion where it's like I place an order and mm. then you go make it. Yeah. No, this all happened after. So after. So you la- you you fire everyone. Yeah. <laughs> you launch your brand. Yeah. And you say, here I am, world. Yeah. And then a couple months later, you're like, what am I doing? Well, no, I mean, because I launched in 2017. Right. But you so it was so it was in 2017. It was. When did you start questioning is the question? When I started questioning when um, when I left the client work. Okay. And I and I started working on my collection fully, and then as I'm doing it, right. So a couple months into into and nobody's seen it yet. It's no still just it me in in my process, still designing, still sort of sampling all of that. I'm still within myself. Nobody, That's when you start to have your existential crisis. This is when I'm kind of like, wait a too minute, too much time to think. Yeah, like, am I? Like, am I really doing stuff that that's special that I actually need to put it out there? Like, am I inventing? Am I saving someone's life? I'm not. This is this this was my issue, right? Because I'm like, I am sure there's a hundred other designers that have made a hoodie with a puffy sleeve, you know? <laughs> like, I mean, you know what I mean? Right. So, and it's just like, okay, I enjoy the process. I enjoy creating something and and putting my perspective and my own whatever mm-hmm. thought, my two my two cents, you know. That's all. That's all good and well, but it's it's still about me. But why are you so special? Why should people exactly? Why am I so special? Right. I don't know yet. <laughs> so As, I, mean, I don't this know if is we're like going to answer questions. This today. is the curse. This is the curse of the creative yeah, in exactly. so many ways, yeah. right? It's I don't know how, anything more to say <laughs> to that. It's the curse of the creative, like because <laughs> we're so emotionally attached to our art and yeah. our work because in so many ways it is, it's an extension mm-hmm. of ourselves. Yeah. I'm sure when you're looking at someone else's work, you're like, oh yeah, totally. No, it, you add value to the world. But mm. when it comes to ourselves, yeah, it's, it's a little you're, bit more You're difficult. a lot more critical of yourself. And I remember having this conversation with a friend of mine and he was like, it's weird that you say that though, because he he's bought a couple of pieces from me. And he was like, and actually one of them is a t-shirt. And it's not to say that I'm not making t-shirts anymore. I still am, but not a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Just like it would be it would be like a graphic that I actually really like like and worked on and all of that. Not not some froofy stuff anymore. <laughs> what what do you mean by froofy? I don't know. Just like What was your froofy stuff from before? Like not your lover, what? <laughs> you don't like that anymore? I mean cuz so many people post about that. So So you're saying that the work that you don't like because it's froofy, which I agree with you. I'm like, okay, like it's interesting, but I don't really know what to do with that. I just you actually, it's not your favorite stuff. It's not my favorite thing. I don't care about it. Like I don't care about it. You know, I I I like I like when I make the the jackets that people actually are like, wow, I I really like this, and they try it on. Camo, your camo line is really cool. I like your camouflage stuff. Yeah, I mean that's pretty cool. The rain jackets did not work here at all, obviously. I had worked so much on that in New Zealand, and then I came here and I was like, whoa, rain jackets. And then I and then I was like, oh, never mind. <laughs> sad. It's a sad thing. It I rains it like rained. once a year. Once a year. So for like 30 minutes. Yeah, so it's, it's fine. So sad. <laughs> it's okay. Um, oh, don't remind yes, me. Yeah. So, yeah. So that T-shirt, cool, whatever. A bunch of people bought it. Um, I don't care about it that much, you know. Do you, Does that bother you? That that's what people wanted? And that the stuff that you care about, the world doesn't seem to... Also like, care about. <laughs> the stuff, yeah, the this, this stuff that you value, that, that you say, like, this is, wow, this is meaningful. This tells yeah. a meaningful story. This is, yeah, a, you know, something that I feel like is valuable to, to the world. And mm. like, eh, oh, fast fashion t-shirt. Exactly. So, yeah. 
truly, it actually does bother me to the point where I was like, I don't want to do these anymore. I'm not I'm not going to make them anymore, you know. And then uh, so I'm doing Soul DXV, that festival mm-hmm. that's coming up soon. And I was like, OK, I, I probably need T-shirts for this because you just there's there's just going to be a lot of people. And they want to spend, you know. Yeah. A hundred dirhams. Yeah. Not a thousand. Exactly. And so I was like, OK, cool. But like, let's just. Let's just put that on the side until I really figure out what I want to do for it. And then I'm like looking through all my stuff because obviously there's a bunch of stuff that I make and never Mm -hmm. go through with. And I found a bunch of graphics that I actually had designed and never done anything with. And I was like, okay, I actually like these. Um, They're funny. I'm always so serious. I'm always like have to make it so emotional and, you know, and I was like, whatever. So introspective. Yeah. Like you you find your own thoughts. Like I, I don't need to always, you know. Yeah. You know, it's fine. So I. Anyway, so they're going to be funny a bit. They're they're like they're a bit of fun and I like them. And I think that for t-shirts, I think that that's kind of okay. Yeah. Um because and also they're still like I'm happy I'm happier about them now because they're like organic recycled cotton. All of the waste goes to a a rug making factory in Egypt where they like it's called a clean and they make it like it's like a woven rug mm-hmm. basically. So it's really it's really nice. They're certified for like non-chemical dyes, um, responsible waste uh, disposal, all of that stuff. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'm I'm like happier doing this with a fun graphic. Everything else is just like embroidery that doesn't waste anything at all because it's computer generated. Just uses as much as it needs, and that's it. So we're cool. We're on that on that aspect. It's okay. But you still expressed, and I think. This is, I mean, I think this is a really interesting question that you're asking and a phenomenon that's hap- happening globally. And it's very much kind of a nihilistic mm. thought <laughs> where, where you're saying, well, what value, yeah. like, well, why even create? Why even, you know, by you producing a single piece of clothing, mm. there is the extreme argument. Yep. That, well, you're just, you're still adding more waste exactly. into the world. Yeah. And, and, and the issue that I have, and I understand that this is real. I mean, there's this movement going on right now. I don't remember the exact name, but some sort of nihilism, but it's the extent where people wish that they weren't born. Oh. <laughs> and they're filing lawsuits yeah. against their parents for having been born. I'm here without my consent type thing. Right. Which I think... <laughs> Let's step too far. There's but. is I think is way too far. But <laughs> but what I find more interesting, not that it's too far, but that this small seed of nihilism has grown, right? Because it's every thoughts are seeds, right? Mm-hmm. And the where that thought then leads to, it doesn't end with, well, my piece of clothing yeah. is just adding waste. It's you realizing, well, every time I take a breath. Mm. I'm adding way. So th- the only logical conclusion then would be suicide. Oh. <laughs> no, I, I'm serious. I'm I mean, serious. Yeah, we're, if we're going to feed that seed, right. If, if, and if we're, and we are feeding that seed. Mm-hmm. As a generation, we're yeah. beginning to feed that seed. That's true, yeah. Where we're, where we're, it's, it's hard for some people, it's hard for us to see the value of us as individuals, as us as human beings, the value of human life, the value of as you as an individual. Yeah. And sometimes it's 
and there's probably a lot of reasons probably why i don't know why on a on not just you but mm. a generation there's a lot of people who are questioning and the logical thing is that most people argue is let's have less humans on the earth yeah. let's control population yeah and then it's almost this self-hatred towards humans and this exaltation the ones that of already nature. exist yeah <laughs> yeah it's like well it's better that like the the dolphin and the whale and the leopard, you know, run free and yeah. I'll just let them eat me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but it's but it's true. Yeah. What do you think about that? Um, I'm I get it. I get it that if if you have that seed, it will probably lead in that direction. Maybe not necessarily into like the suicide direction, but for me it's led into the direction of that existentialism. Yeah, of, that whole idea of like, you really need to think about what you're doing. Is Are you actually offering anything to the world, you know? And I'm still in that. Like, I don't, I'm not saying that I've even solved it by being like, okay, now I'm going to be like fully sustainable. I still haven't like resolved. All, I'm not even like, even if you're fully I'm sustainable. I'm not like cool now, you know, I'm not like chilling. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still in that crisis. <laughs> yeah. But what, so what do you think in your viewpoint, what, what does add value to the world? I don't know, like philanthropy or I don't know, things like that, like like changing the educational system or helping children with so special you, needs or I think like okay. literally things like that. So you think that that does add value? Yeah. That there are there because a lot of people would argue that nothing actually adds value to the world, well, that it's all that's all vanity. It's all nothing. It's all. Yeah. I mean, we're here, right? Uh-huh. And we have to do it. Like, you're alive, so you have to do the thing. <laughs> yeah, you can't just give up. <laughs> like, like, what are you going to do? <laughs> you got to do the thing, like, because <laughs> you're already here. So you need to figure something out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm I'm still in that I'm still in that stage of figuring that out. I had, going back to Khaira, I had this conversation with her last time she was here, because I was telling her, like, same thing. Like, I, I still haven't resolved this. Like, mm-hmm. I'm still sort of in that issue of, like, I, I I'm not... I'm not satisfied still with what I'm doing, you know? And um, she she was like, this is, this is kind of a thing with people that want to do more and bigger that you just have to wait it out and like create a voice that's big enough so that when you have something to say, there are actually people listening. And she was like, maybe this is the thing that you're doing to gather more people who want to mm-hmm. listen to you. And I'm like, okay, I actually quite like like that, you know? Because... You can you can talk all you want, but if nobody's listening, nothing's going to change, right? Yeah. 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 Except you, like you'll you'll change yourself, but nobody's listening. So that's but isn't it. that our responsibility first to change ourselves? Well, yeah. So you change you first, and whatever you can do, and then in that process, try and like speak to more people. And so, what's like what if you had a message? If if you had a message today, mm. today is your last day. We're not guaranteed. We're not guaranteed the end of this episode, right? So there might be like a meteor you never coming. Know, I don't know, right? Yeah, whatever. So today, yeah. What if you're like you have a voice today and you do? Mm. What would you say? Like, what do you in your wrestle today? What do you want people to hear? What do you want to do? What quote unquote quote unquote value <laughs> do you want to bring to the world that you feel like you're not? Yeah. Um, I think that, first of all, like, I think that everybody needs to just be a little bit more conscious about the decisions that they make and not 
live life because I think that we live life so fast and that's why we enable all of these things around us to happen. We enable all the new cars and all the new phones and like we're asking for this because we're being a bit mindless about it. So people, you think people are just asleep at the wheel? A little so bit. To speak. Yeah, like we're just, it's too fast. Like everything is just moving way too fast. Like there's no longer the milkman who's going to come and pour you milk into your own bottle that already exists because that was a thing. And it was a slower life. Mm-hmm. Like our parents did this. Actually, even growing up a little bit, that was a thing. Like the milk truck would come by and put milk at our door. Like that was a yeah. thing for a little while until, I don't know, until I was like eight or whatever. And then and then it got way too fast after that where you had to buy the milk carton. It's not even an option anymore. And now it's a plastic bottle. It's not even a carton anymore. Mm-hmm. And so it's, we're, we're enabling it to be faster and faster because we want more and more and more. We're so eating it's not more just, meat. Like, it's just, it's not just even sustainability. You're not even talking about environmentalism now. You're talking about the speed of of the way that we do life. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Because, right, I mean, really, like, sure, you can make the argument of we're eating more meat, mm. and make the argument of, like, glass versus plastic, mm-hmm. but those are just really kind of the margins of what you're talking about yeah. when you're talking about adding value because everything that you mentioned about adding value was actually touching a human life. Yeah. How are you touching human lives? I don't know yet. <laughs> But you, don't you believe that you are? Um, I think that I am on a surface level. Yes, I am on a surface level. And I think that this is, again, you know how I was saying that like I enjoy the process and the process is part of the product. I think that I haven't reached the, the full product yet of what I'm going to say to the people that I'm, you know, mm-hmm. that are part of my journey. But um, in the meantime, I think that the people who whatever we're go- we're going to go back to the clothing and all of that the people who have like bought the clothing and want to wear it i think that those people are going to be part of the journey and they're going to be people that are going to listen later on those same people and you feel like later on you might have something to say in life well it's brewing you know what's brewing whatever this is like i i want to be able to basically grow a voice somehow and also be ambiguous and not famous oh my gosh <laughs> Can you see how much of a contradiction I have within myself, though? It's actually a bit funny and mad. But, yeah. But the world is, is truth. The world is a contradiction. Truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's everything's held in tension, right? There's exactly. not balance. It's no, tension. Not really. Um, but, yeah. So, I think that eventually by the end of this sort of, not, I don't know what the end is, but at some point, all these people that I'm sort of speaking to right now on a smaller scale, at the end of it, I'll be like, okay, this is what we're actually doing here but you don't like doing here isn't like doing in life or here is like doing with my brand or here is in doing with my brand with my voice with what i think that i can benefit whatever all of that so in what you're describing it's something that i think a lot of people especially millennials struggle with Mm. it's talking about purpose Mm. right all, all, most all millennials and generations, I don't know where those lines are. It's all blurry, but they want, they want to be doing something with purpose and yeah. I want to make an impact and I want to make a difference with my life in the yeah. world around me. Yeah. I think that the, there's just so many of us right now, you know, and at least a percentage of what are we like 7 billion right now, mm-hmm. a percentage of this needs to be doing a, like a big and. It needs to be a bigger percentage that's doing really good stuff, like for the world, you know? 
to find really good stuff. Okay, well, let's just go straight straight to it. Like my my personal dream. Yeah, that's I don't want you... to finally. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's like pulling teeth over here. God, I know. I'm really. I'm. I'm bad. I'm terrible. <laughs> it's okay. I understand. Sometimes it's it's, it's scary it to is, actually. It like, actually is like say these say things out loud. Say what your personal dream is. Yeah, but no, my 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 actual personal dream is because I think I think that like who you are. Yeah. Okay, wait, let me let me reword this. What you were as a child mm-hmm. is actually who you are. Yes. And then we sort of get things thrown at us and experiences in life and all these things happen to us while we're growing up. And then we become sort of something else and potentially our personality gets a bit... We become a professional adult. Yeah. Right? Professionals. Professionals, whatever that freaking means, right? Yeah. Um, but so I think that children are really important. Like that's always something that's on my mind. Children... Are just they're the most important thing. We need to focus all our attention on children, mm-hmm. you know, and as individuals, not not put them into a schooling system that's just gonna like put them into a mold and then spit them all out and they're all the same. If if your mental level was a bit higher than average, we're just gonna average you down. And the goal is to bring that one into the and just average everybody out. Right. And we're all just right here in the middle, <laughs> like yeah, you know, yeah. And that's the, the industrial revolution on our children, right? So scary because we need we need one classroom to have thirty kids in it and the school of like a thousand or whatever. I don't know how many people are in a school, but like yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and so and I get that because like if you're if you're gonna go teach a kid like thirty kids, you don't want to go speak to each one individually, but 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 we should like essentially we should because otherwise we're just. And then maybe, and then maybe people won't make so many kids, you know, <laughs> like because it will just be this full cycle of we need to spend more time with each of these kids, and so there can't be so many of them. You but don't you think? I mean, so and now, I come here's from a family this, of like five kids. Here's, let's this, be honest, contra- here's this contradiction, right? <laughs> yeah. Of children are the most valuable thing. Yeah. We shouldn't make more of them. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> but. <laughs> But, okay. so, but I'm pointing out this is this is a lie, yeah, of liberal socialistic media, okay, right? That's trying to limit population for the mm. sake of control. Where all of the all economists yeah. globally saying the 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 globe the the population worldwide is going to stem itself at about 10 billion people right now with because as people gain more money, they tend to have less kids mm-hmm. and. We are going to, in 10, 20 years, face a real crisis called population collapse. Mm. And we're already seeing in Japan mm-hmm. where the the growth, the birth rate is lower than the death rate. And their economy is about to collapse in on itself because yep. they don't actually have more people. Yeah. Because they, like you said, stop having more kids. Okay. And so there's this, this idea which is stemmed to nihilism mm. which is which has been linked to the the climate crisis of mm. <laughs> humans are destroying the earth yeah so let's destroy humans <laughs> which again to, we don't want to destroy the existing ones though. but that's what people are saying there's no they're saying <laughs> it's better gonna, like, it's better to destroy a human nah i'm not into that though. but there are people who are into yeah, that there's people who are into that Right. And so it's this whole population control thing. Yeah. But then really where it plays out into is full on economic and population collapse mm. in the 
you know, 10, 20, 30 years down the line where we're not actually having more kids, where when we have a growing population, we have growing economies and with growing economies, we have growing innovation Yeah, and that growing innovation actually ends up with better lives worldwide and better stewardship of the environment. Mm. So anyways, back to your point. <laughs> back to I that. Just wanted to, I just wanted to like ask you. Yeah. Do you really, so do you still stand by that statement of maybe people will have less kids? Um, well, I mean, well, now that you put it like that and I'm, I've never thought of myself as like a nihilist. I don't, I don't want to be that, you know? No, it's horrible. It's, it's depression. It's, it's depressing. I'm not, I'm, if anything, I'm more of like an idealist. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? Like, I just want everything to be great. Good. Like, <laughs> Good. I'll send you another invoice. <laughs> No, no, no. I've, I've always known that part. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the solution is to paying more attention to each child as an individual. I don't know what the solution is for that yet, you know? I think it's, I mean, I, so this is a tangent. So I love that you're saying that children are our most valuable asset. Yeah. Because so many people in the world don't see that. And uh, I talk a lot about on this show about what does it mean to be a change maker, mm -hmm. right? And it sounds like you are someone who wants to make a change in the world. And it's interesting because the way that I articulate being a change maker, change makers often are not the famous person. They're not the one who's out in front, yeah. but they're the ones who are leading from behind from a place of service, that mm -hmm. they are nameless and faceless. It's, uh, the book Franny and Zoe by J.D. Salinger, cool. where yeah. Franny says, I wish I had the courage to be an absolute nobody, mm. where everyone is in the rat race of trying to be the next big name, yeah. being seen, be the next big event, be the next who's who. Do we have the courage to actually be okay with not being seen, yeah. to actually add value, to actually serve, mm. rather than just have like, a spot in the limelight and have your name written everywhere. and have your name written yeah. everywhere, but yeah. you're not actually doing anything. No. It's just your name's written somewhere versus the antithesis of that, which is the, I believe that people who make the most impact probably most likely, at least globally mm. are people who get the least amount of recognition worldwide, even though they're making the greatest economic impact worldwide. Do you know who this person is? Who? Guess, think, who who is the most un, under-recognized, under-appreciated, underpaid person worldwide? I don't know. I feel like this is a trick question. It, it's actually it, a group of people. It is a group of people. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean. It's moms. Oh, my God. Wow. Right? Mama. Right? It's mom. It's, our, it's like, and it's also our most love. Like, we mm. say the word mom and all of a sudden, like, tears come to our eyes. Like, yeah. oh, my gosh. Yeah, it is my my mom, she did pour so much into me. It's true, yeah. She, you know, birthed me. She gave me life. Mm. And then she serves, not getting you a paycheck, not getting you recognition, not getting, she gets like, you know, Mother's Day comes around and I forget to send her a card. Sorry, mom. Yeah. Right? It's I like, don't believe in Mother's Day though, to be honest. No? Every no. day is Mother's Day? Totally. Yeah. I don't like Mother's Day or, or any of these things. Because they're commercialized holidays. 100%. And they're made for people who don't actually like speak to their mother. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> I speak to my mother. Like, why do I need to speak to her on? I'm gonna speak to her on this day anyway, not because yeah, yeah. you told me to. You <laughs> yeah. know, like I don't care. It's like Valentine's Day. Yeah, same yeah. thing. Like, if you love that person, you're waiting for an institution to tell oh you gosh. to tell them on that it's day. So like, bad. I don't get it. So I think it's, anyway, but it's being a mom, right? <laughs> yeah. Moms are the ones who pay so much attention without anything. So I think even though there is some, you feel kind of that conflict within yourself of like, wait, what, how am I going to do this? In some ways, that's a very congruent thought of I'm looking to actually impact the world. I'm actually looking to impact individuals' lives mm. on a deep way rather than a broad and shallow way. Yeah. And it's even reflective in your brand, in your line. You're like, I'm going to make one piece of clothing, mm. not send it off to China to get a thousand yep. made. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So here's another question. <laughs> you know, as millennials, as Generation Z, we we want to make have that purpose. But even as you've expressed, you feel like you're not able to make that impact that you want through your business and through your brand. Yep. Do you feel like that you're actually able to, but there's this divide between what's like sacred for lack of a better word. What's like actually helping people philanthropy, th- like being a doctor, mm. being a nurse. Yeah. Like, Cause that's like by default you're doing good. But like, don't, but don't you think that through your brand, you can still make that deep impact on people's lives? I, I can. I think that I can, but it's not by default. You don't think it's by default? No, I don't think so. Because like a doctor, by default, he's doing good. Like, Do they? I think so. Like, really? If I'm going to have a heart attack, you're going to save me. Like, I don't know. But I mean, there's so many arguments against the health and medical systems worldwide that they're just businesses. It's true. And and schooling systems are are businesses as well. Right. And how many doctors do you know that are sued for malpractice where they're doing a whole bunch of shady, horrible things? I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. And how many teachers <laughs> do we know actually like... Yeah. I think so you still have to be you yeah. still have to be intentional. You still have to design your hospital mm. or your school or you have to design that as well to be yeah. intentional to actually yeah. make a deep impact rather than just pushing people like cattle through a system like fast fashion Mm-mm-mm. or the school system. Yeah. I think that really at the end of the day it depends on you as a person. Like what are your intentions for whatever you're doing? Mm. Because you could you could do anything, and if your intent, like you could, like you said, you could be a doctor, but if you don't care, but it has to go beyond intentions, right? I hate I hate when people use the word intention as if like, well, if I intended to do good, then that's enough. No, but like intend it and do it. Intended like, and do it, and you know, yeah, like, thank you. Like, so if you intend to do something, but you don't it, do it, doesn't it count. And be it, like you have and every, to live it out. Yeah, no, do it, like actually go for it, but. But I guess in that sense, then you could be doing anything. So you could you're doing this show, and you're you obviously like curate what you bring onto the show and who you're speaking to. You're not just talking about any random stuff, right? So yep. that's that's you doing good, right? I think. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So it's the same with me. Like. So it is the same with you. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good place to be. <laughs> This is a great conversation. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm putting you really, I'm like pressing really hard you and are, putting you, you on the spot. <laughs> but I see, because this is, and this is why. Because mm. you don't actually see the value that you bring to the world. No, you're right. You don't see the value <laughs> of yourself without bringing something to the world. The value of who you are as a unique 
individual human being, mm. right? You as a human, before you do, yeah. you have value just just by who you are. Yeah. Not by like some economic value that you bring to the world or no, impact sure. you bring to the world. Yeah. And I, I think so many, myself included, I, I can struggle with this thinking like, well, you know, here's my business and then here's the value that I bring. Mm-hmm. Like here's like how I make money and then I make impact over here. Mm-hmm. But I think that, you know, even hearing you, hearing your story, hearing your, the way that you really think things through, the way that you want to have a congruent worldview that's not just an intent up here, but you're actually being it and living and walking it out, yep. practicing what you preach. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're selling yourself short. Whoa. <laughs> that's, a, that's a thing that I do. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a deep thing that I do. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which is crazy because we, we, we just met. So <laughs> you're selling yourself short, um, and you yeah. need to stop. I need to stop. You need to stop selling yourself it's short. Hard. You're selling yourself short in one, saying that you have to wait to make an impact, wait to have a voice, wait to say something because mm. clearly you have stuff to say. Yeah. Right. Even like it took a while to finally pull it out because you were like, well, you know what? Like, how much, yeah. am I qual? Because you're asking, am I qualified yeah. to say that right, I think right. children are valuable? Mm. Right? Yeah. You're wondering, am I qualified? No, you're right. Right. Yeah. So what are you gonna do moving <laughs> forward? What am I gonna do? What are your actions? How do you think how how do you think you can continue to architect your brand? Because you're you're very intentional about your brand. Mm. What are some ways that you think you can continue to architect your brand to begin having a voice now, begin to share your message now, to begin impacting people on a deeper level now. Yeah. Um honestly like I think that the the one of the be- the best things that I can do is design. Yeah. Like and I think that I should be using that. Yes. You know? I think you should too. I should be using as much as I can. Because you're it. gifted. You're talented. Well, well and thanks. other people think that too, right? <laughs> Thank you. You were at Kutu last night. I wasn't invited, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's an achievement, to be honest. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Gucci, if you're watching, but like <laughs> um, I really don't. But anyway. No, you're you're cre- you're extremely gifted and talented at what you do. Right. Thank Absolutely. You. I appreciate that. Um but yeah, so and the reason why I called my brand studio and brand not clothing label is because I don't want to just be doing clothing. Mm-hmm. I do want to like venture into more different types of design. And the reason why I do ergonomic clothing and things that like move around your body is because that's something that's... The poofy sleeves? The poofy sleeves <laughs> and the poofy knees. Like it's, I don't know, but essentially... It's very much in fashion. I'm very much clearly out of fashion, well, so... Honestly, like I, I don't even like to do things that are in fashion. Like there's a pair of pants that I have in my current collection, which was also in the last one and also in the previous one before that. And some people have only just noticed it this time and are like, whoa, these are so cool. When did you do these? And I'm like, I've literally had three these years now for actually yeah. when I was in New Zealand. Like I've literally <laughs> always had these, <laughs> but I I'm I'm down to like keep using there. It's my design. I can use it as many times as yeah. I want. And I don't I don't think that and. It's sustainability in the same way that I don't I don't need to throw away ideas. I can recycle totally. them and use them again. It's still an idea. It's still time that I put into something. And so I can use that and put it again, you know, just a little bit differently. It's fine. Hmm. So I like anyway. That. I like that. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm starting to say good things now. <laughs> yeah, about yourself. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so I do want to move. Like a big thing is that I want to move into um, like ergonomic furniture and potentially even, uh, I don't know, furniture that you can use in a home that has a special needs child, an autistic child, anything like that, you know, things like that. Like I, but obviously this requires a lot of research and it requires a lot of attention and design. And so that's the reason why I was like, I need to stop everything I'm Mm. doing and put all my attention into this so that, because it's an ongoing process. And if I keep stopping it, I'm not, I'm not going to reach that level of research and that level of, you know, like something good yeah <laughs> so I, I need i need the process to just continue moving so that you don't you don't keep halting it like you don't just keep stopping are you have you started since you've since you fired all your clients <laughs> like that have i you, really like that i'm gonna start yeah, saying i should. fired all my clients. You fired them all <laughs> have you started have you continued doing um classes and coaching and and courses training yeah so i've just finished a course actually in abu dhabi and um, with Warehouse 421, I mm-hmm. don't know. Yeah, yeah, they're really cool. I like we have a good relationship now. So I keep I keep going back for classes with them. And um, it's really nice to I love I love teaching. Like I've always enjoyed it. Even when I was at uni, like my instructors used to get me to like peer teach and go to the go to the younger classes and all of that. Like I've always enjoyed it. I think that I can relay whatever I know, mm-hmm. like pretty well if I'm trying to teach it to someone else. Not not particularly in this conversation, but <laughs> I'm just going like, to make you know, fun I, of myself people right now. Al- people always say, Lucas, you need to ask harder questions. So I'm sorry. Oh, You're getting I the brunt so- of my harder questions. Oh, God. <laughs> you started on me. <laughs> no, I started a couple episodes back. But, okay, you know, good. <laughs> um, trying to disagree more with people. It's yeah. Harder than it, it's God. harder than it looks. It's so hard. It's hard to disagree with people. <laughs> and it's hard to answer. <laughs> um, yeah. So where were we? This is a- You're teaching. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so I've been doing this and now I keep doing it with like with other organizations. And so they facilitate it and I just go do the thing. So now I want to start doing it for myself. And so I can actually control more. I still I, I do have a bit of control over a lot of control actually over what I teach mm-hmm. and like what the course is. But I think that if I do it with myself, I can sort of do more different things and speak just for myself and not because obviously the organizations they have their own agenda they they have like a certain type of thing that they want to do as a whole collective of workshops whatever and so i have to be a part of that that, yeah Yeah. and so i think that if and i am going to start doing it on my own then i can start talking about things that i just want to talk about right right yeah that's right it's fun so yeah so since you've again back to firing your clients which i love (laughs) since you fired your clients what has been some of your process in the last seven months, your whether emotionally or mm. action steps you've taken in building your brand to get to where you are today, where you're about to do a soul DXB. Yeah. Um, I think that a lot of it was uh, just going out there and talking to people because I, I've always had this issue of being, I'm the youngest child, you know, and so I've always had this issue of being like the quietest voice mm-hmm. in a way. Um, metaphorically speaking, even. Um, Yeah, so I've always had this problem of just being the listener, kind of. I'm always the listener, you know? And so I was like, okay, I need to to start speaking if I want things to happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I just started doing that. I just started contacting people and talking to people. And so I was was like, you want to do the sustainable thing? Go find out, like go ask people. 
ask the factories, can you give me your certifications? And I was like, okay, this is this works. Like you just ask and you shall receive. You yeah, know, it's true. like it, it's a thing. It's it, true. It actually works. It does work. So this was pretty much the biggest part of my process was literally just putting myself out there. Yeah. And I think that the was more that scary, so scary. The more and the more so that did, you so do it, it the not more like you that felt it, confident when you started. You felt insecure. Oh, yeah. You felt nervous. Yeah, I was nervous. Not necessarily insecure because if anything, like, I'm secure about what I do, if anything. That's, like, I like what I do, you know? And so I'm secure about that. But nervous about actually going out there and being, like, do you want to contribute to this? Do you want, mm. like, do you want to partake in my journey, you know? Yeah. So what other, so you you're... <laughs> talking about some of your process so you you're reaching out finding whether people are certified or not mm. asking people meeting people yeah. showing up at events talking people yeah um you know you even yourself described yourself as kind of like the quiet shy type mm. and so when you were going out were you going out and looking for re like researching and trying to get insights and listening or were you saying hey do you want to collaborate together do you, do you want to work together I think it, it was both of those things. Um, it was both, both th like I, I needed to do the research. I needed to understand what other people in the industry are doing. If there's more people in the industry that are doing the same thing, then we need to be having conversations and understand that we're like, if we're on the same level or if we can help each other, things like that, you mm -hmm. know? Um, if you know something I don't know or I know something you don't know, I'm down to like talk about those things, you know? And I, and I, because you also don't want to like, be one of those people who is like, I'm the only or the first one doing this. You don't want to be that person. Right. There's so many people. Right. So you globally. need you need to know. Globally, yes. Regionally, you need to really know your the people that are around you, what they're doing, so that you're also not being like disrespectful in a mm. way. You can't you know, like don't don't be that person, right? So, so if, I wasn't trying to be that person. Right. For so so for someone that is either firing their clients or have already <laughs> fired their clients or they're they're quit their job and they're trying to get clients, but they're in some ways they're trying to build that they're trying to build a brand. They're mm. trying to build a brand that has vision and value, right? Your brand is a brand that is infused with vision and values, right? T to the, and I mean this in a good way, to the extreme, mm. right? You're saying, I'm, I'm so intentional. I'm going to be intentional about where I get my fabrics, yeah. what's in my fabrics, yeah. the supply chain, the way, like, I don't want to waste so for people who have those value-based brands that they're working to build and they're stepping out, mm. maybe they want to step out, in that first seven months, what is most important for them to do? Oh, um, I always find it hard to answer these questions because, again, it's like, am I qualified to answer this you question? Are you, this, and this is why you're qualified because <laughs> you're at least seven months ahead of them in I've their already, journey. Okay, fine, because so, I've done that bit. Right. So if, if you're like, ah... I think a great way to, is to look to how have you failed? Where are some of those points that you've failed? Because we learn more from our failures than mm. our successes. Because So where are some of the things that you're like, this is what I failed at. This is what I did great. Yep. What would you tell someone? Um, okay. They're so, just seven months behind you. Yeah. Well, in terms of like launching the this previous collection as like a pre-order basis, I think that uh, a lot of people really like related to that. Like a lot of people were really like into that and really proud of it. But I think that the way that I did it was not very smart. How did you do it? Um, I 
I think that well, how I did it was that I, I, I put it out like that. And then I started explaining the sustainability aspect after I put it out like that. So you launched and then you explained. And then I explained. And then you hyped it up. And then, yeah, exactly. And, and so, and a lot of people, and that was, that was cool because I, I had a lot of people messaging me like, wow, I didn't know any of this. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about this stuff before. All good, all great, you know, but I think that you need to teach people first, you know? Yeah. Like you need to sort of not, I, I don't know if I can say teach, but like you need to what, share whatever Educate. knowledge. Yeah, yeah, share whatever knowledge you have first and sort of get them on board first before asking them to contribute to your brand or like be part of it or want, And by contribute, you mean like buy a buy an item? Buy an item and not and not buy four of the fast fashion stuff. Like because right, in, you're in asking that, the, Yeah. You're asking a, a huge lifestyle a change. I'm asking a lot of people. Like it's you true. are a change maker, right? You are someone All that's right. looking <laughs> to make a difference. No, you are. I mean, think. Yeah. The the amount of objections that you have to overcome yeah. to get someone to stop buying. They're like, well, why? I can go to the mall and I can buy 10 pieces for the price of your one. Exactly. Why would I do that? So why should I? Yeah. Why should they? And so, I mean, but clearly you've, you have at least convinced some people. I've convinced some people, but I think that I should have done it the other way around where I would have first sort of educated on the journey that I'm going on and then put this out there and be like, okay, this is the product of this journey. So you're saying that not just like the four weeks before you launched your brand, but you're saying I should have been talking to the world four years ago this and documenting my process yeah. the whole time. Exactly. My thought processes, my exactly. doubts, my and questions, so, vulnerability. So you're buying into the story. Yeah. And so because you're so convinced by the story, you're actually going to make mm-hmm. a lifestyle change. You're not just buying it to like support me. I don't I don't need that. Because they're identifying yeah. with your lifestyle. They're with saying, the whole lifestyle. Yeah. They're like, wow, I want to be more minimal too in my choices and my life, all of that. And that takes time. And that takes a lot of time. Especially with a big... That's because that's a really big life change. Yeah, it's really huge. And it affects a lot of aspects of your life. It doesn't just affect yeah. your purchase habits, mm. but it affects your daily habits of what clothes are you going to put on. Exactly. Right? So, And then a mindset and the culture of, okay, well, what people are you hanging out with? Yeah. And if there's that peer pressure to have like a new piece of clothing every... Constantly. Every time you see me, do I need to be wearing something new? Do you? Does my group of people care about this? You know? Thankfully, my group of people does not care about this, which right, is great, right. you know, um, even though, okay, we're all sort of part of the fashion industry in a, in a way, in one way or another, but like everybody sort of understands this, whether mm. it's because they understand sustainable clothing or whether they understand like expensive designer clothing and the fact that you're going to invest in a piece, which also works, even if that brand is not necessarily like super sustainable, but it's the idea that you're in- investing in something and not buying 10 instead, mm-hmm. you know? So that still works. You know, ideally, ideally, even the big expensive brands become super sustainable, you know? But I think that what the people want, they eventually get. And so we just want the people to want that. Mm-hmm. We want sustainability to be hype, you know? Yeah, and, and part of it too is you're having to sell the story of support small business, right? Mm-hmm. And that's also another hard buy. Yeah. So it's just... It's just hard. So you would have started. <laughs> you would have started communicating and branding and storytelling yeah, four years ago, five exactly. years ago, yeah. seven years ago when you're in uni. Exactly. Just building this whole story, building the whole lifestyle, this whole concept, mm. you know, and then and then selling that whole idea to people. That's that's a great takeaway. 
and and it's it's a huge takeaway. It's a lot to ask of people, but that's what I want to do. So, I I yeah, I think if people got one, I think there's a lot of things that people are going to get from this episode. But if they got <laughs> if they want practical business tip or tool, yeah, yeah. would be storytell and storytell early. Yeah, storytell before you figure it out yeah. and journey with Enduring. people through that. Yeah, that vulnerability of not having the answers. Exactly, because we wait. Until we have a voice, we have a platform, yeah. we have the answers, and then we spring it on people and the exactly. people are like, huh, what? Where'd you come from? Yeah, like, what, yeah. what do you mean? What do you mean? This could all be a lie, you know? Like, it, that's what I think about sometimes. I'm like, do people think I'm lying? Like, do people think I'm just putting on a front? Maybe. this could People could think that, you know? Do you think people actually think that? I don't know. Maybe. This is something I think about. I'm like, maybe people think I'm lying. <laughs> like, I don't know. Why would they think? What? I mean, I, I understand why they would think that a yeah. lot of people do lie like a lot of people just jump on these trends to yeah. try to like find their unique selling proposition and they just make something up and mm. yeah but i mean i think that it's just that like you just need to bring people into your journey so mm. that they see that this is really happening this is really a thing and i'm still not doing it that well by the way because it's so hard like i don't like social media is that how i'm gonna do it like i'm doing it i mean that's the only media it's the only media right now the articles I mean, like, are good this is good too. if you I like mean, if, you know like if you've paid for a spot on a i don't know a tv channel you watch tv so i don't know what tv channels are around osn yeah. yeah is your target audience even gonna see or care like exactly and so you need to do it like that and so i'm saying that as a as a piece of advice to myself as well hmm. Like just let people in on your journey. It's so see. scary, though, isn't but it? It's so scary. It's it's literally vulnerability. It's vulnerability. Do you want you you don't even want to be vulnerable to a person you're sitting. I don't right want to be vulnerable of. with myself. Exactly. <laughs> and so you're asking me to be vulnerable to like over a thousand. You know, like I don't know. Especially when you have doubts in your mind of exactly. well, do they think that I'm lying? Yeah. What are they going to say behind my back? Exactly. It's just the whole thing is rough. <laughs> no, it's it's it's. I think that's I. You know, going back earlier to the the hard question that I posed to you, like, well, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> I think you just answered your own question, right? Through reflecting on your own story, yeah. through your failures, right? Which mm. is this, this? I think your action step forward really is: I need to put myself out there. Mm. I need to tell my story, which is not my success. It's telling my struggles, my hardship. Yeah. You know, and every story has one thing in common. And that's conflict. Mm. And without conflict, without especially that interior conflict, you don't have a compelling story. Yeah. You just have a a to-do list. Exactly. That it's not reality. It's not reality. Because we all we all go through these conflicts and the ups and downs and the doubts and everything. And that's just the reality of it. And so my closing question, mm. it might take a while to answer. So that's okay. It doesn't have to be like your like one two punch. All right, let's go. Um Talking about reality, talking yep. about doubts, talking about identity, talking about purpose. You describe yourself as a global, a global citizen, yeah, a global nomad, right? You're from Egypt. You have spent eleven out of your 26, 27, 26, yeah. 26 years um, in New Zealand. That is forty percent of your life, yeah. And now you're you've been in Dubai the last four years, yeah. Um. How how has growing up in these multiple cultures as a third cultured adult now, how has that played into your doubts? How does that play into your fashion, your fashion design? Um, 
<coughs> as the clothes that we wear is so much of a reflection of our identity mm-hmm. and even that conversation you mentioned earlier in the episode that um, you see design as a conversation with your body, yeah, right? And but that's our bodies are so metaphysical connected to who we are as an individual. And so really it's a conversation with our identity. Yeah. How does that come out and how has your journey in asking who am I and what value do I bring to the world? What's mm. my, my tribal, my cultural identity? Where am I from? Yeah. How, how does that play out in not only your daily life, but in your daily design? Mm. That's that's so hard. <laughs> but um, I mean, one of the main reasons why I go straight to literally the physical body for answers on like how to design things is because I don't have that that fallback. Like A lot of people have a fallback on culture. They'll mm. be like, I'm just going to I'm going to draw motifs and aspects from my cultural clothing, you know, but I, I don't think that I can do that. First of all, because I don't feel connected enough to any of these cultures that I've mm-hmm. been a part of. I am connected to them, but not enough to do that. I feel like in a way, if I if like if I go to Egypt, I, I can do it. Like I could do it. I could go to Egypt and draw from the cultural clothing of Egypt. But you're doing it almost as an outsider rather than exactly. an insider. And so it feels a bit weird because I'm like, I've I've lived in Egypt for five years and it was at a time where like I wasn't an adult. I I wasn't like aware of my life. I was. Was it just, like zero to five? No, it was. It was seven to thirteen, which okay. is which so it's is developmental. It's a but... developmental stage, but you're not. You're you're doing it like. Yeah. Your mother's like, go to school. You're gonna walk with your brother to school. You're gonna eat this lunch. Like that's your life, right? Yeah. You're just doing your life. You're not like super aware of your choices or no. decisions or. You're not even aware of culture that much. Mm. I was just aware of like, oh, I need to learn Arabic real quick or I'm going to get bullied fast. You know? <laughs> so that was that was my biggest worry in life. Yeah. Is they all think I'm American and I'm not. Because so <laughs> they were like, you speak English, you must be American. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I've goodness. never been there, but cool. <laughs> um, so, you know, so it feels like it would be a little bit intrusive in a way if I do that. Yeah. You know? Presumptuous. A little bit. Like, it's just like a bit out of the blue like oh look at that girl she's never even lived here and she's trying to like come take from our culture even though it's still my culture but so I I just can't do it yeah. like it's a bit weird I also can't do it in New Zealand because New Zealand is composed of Maori and like white people mm-hmm. <laughs> right that came from England and like and you're kind of neither and I'm not and I'm not either I have I I love the Maori culture we had to learn it as we had to learn the language as kids. We had to learn about the culture as kids. I have Maori friends, but can I go and take from their culture? Absolutely not, because I'm none. I'm not at all, you know. And so you're I, not fully, but wouldn't you say within you you have your have part Egyptian culture? Yeah, there, there's parts of your your identity, your makeup that is Egyptian, and Absolutely. then there are parts of you that are. News like you are a part New Zealander, right? Yeah, you do carry some of that exactly. narrative, and but not fully. Yeah, exactly. In my upbringing, you mm-hmm. know, because obviously, like by blood, I'm fully Egyptian, right? Um, but I was, I was in New Zealand. I I went to school there. I had to, I had, you know, you go, you you be that. That's it, right? Um, and then and then there's the Saudi phase. Like, what, what was that like? <laughs> Right. I don't even, I don't even know what that was. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> I don't even know what to say about that. Like, but I was a teenager in Saudi, which is huge. Like yes. my teenage years, huge, really big. You know, my I was there from fourteen to eighteen. Like that's insane. You know, so th- like those are. St- those are years where you really like sort of understand more about life in general. Mm. I didn't. <laughs> you didn't. You didn't understand more. I don't think I did. I think that it was it was a really good time for me to look inwardly. Like this was the time where I went to my mother. And thankfully, I come from a very sort of like intellectual uh, family. Clearly. Um, like my parents are, my parents are very philosophical. They're not sort of like do as I say type people at all. Thank God they're, I'm going to tell you what I think you should do, but do whatever you want mm-hmm. at, you know, kind of like that, like come consult with me. They're like, they're like consulting parents. It's good. It's great in that sense. And so at 16, this is, this is what I could do when I was in Saudi at 16, I went to my mother and I was like, we're Muslim. I'm and I'm practicing Muslim and happily so. But at 16, I went to my mother and I was like, "But why are we though?" And she was like, "I don't know. You go figure that out." And I was like, "Oh, okay. I I, I didn't expect that answer. I thought she would just be like, "Cause this is this is what we're doing. Like this is what you're gonna do." Um, and she was like, "You you can you can go ahead and question that." She was like, "I did it. I went and read all the books, and figured out that this is what I wanted to do." She was like, "You go ahead and do that, and then come back and tell me." What 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 you think? And this is at sixteen. So this is what I was able to do in Saudi. And so each phase of my life, I had something else, a different type of thing to do. But it was all sort of introspective. It mm. was all you just have to nurture your own self because you don't have culture to fall back on or society to fall back on or uh, traditions. I didn't have that. You know, I didn't have the things of like, oh, but our traditions, we can't do that. I don't have this in my family. Like, it's just not, that's not how it is because we're just, we're just everywhere. So we can't, we can't hold so fast to them because it just won't work out when you're traveling around. Right. You have to be a little bit malleable, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so the thing that I have to hold on to is my, my mind, my body. These are the things that I can draw from. I can draw from my personality. I can draw from the psyche. These are the things that I can go to for design and for thought, all these things. So that's pretty much. Do you feel like, you know, as as someone that has this meld of different cultures, do you feel here in Dubai that you've actually found people that you relate to more because of their own unique meld of cultures? Yeah, Absolutely. Because I've all, I was always an alien wherever I went. I went to Egypt, even though I thought that I spoke like Egyptian Arabic pretty pretty normally. Because in my family, we all speak the same. So I thought that we were all good, but apparently we're all not. <laughs> Except for my parents, obviously. But like, I would go to Egypt and they would pick me out like a sore thumb. They'd be like, oh, you're not from here. And I'm like, what? But I'm speaking to you in Arabic, like Egyptian. Right. What's the problem? You know, you know we can hear it in your voice, and yeah, like yeah. in the way that you look at people. Like <laughs> everything <laughs> about you, you says that you're not from here. And I'm like, right, great. And then I go to New Zealand. Obviously, again, my accent is ever changing. <laughs> right. Um, I go to New Zealand, and, and it just will flip into a Kiwi accent like almost immediately. But even then, they'll be like, oh, like even though I'm speaking in a Kiwi accent, they'll be like, oh, but you you have an accent. And I'm like, but what is it? And they're like, well, we, don't, we know. don't know. We don't know it's what something. it is. You're just not from here. You know? And so I've always had this, you're not from here. And so coming here was like 
cool. The land of you're not from here. Because nobody's from here. So yeah. who cares? <laughs> you know, right. It doesn't even matter anymore. So it's it's great in a way. Even those who are from here, you know, when you talk to them, you're like, oh, my, you know, my family came from here to here. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It's like, and it's so funny when people ask you, so are you from Dubai? And I'm like, no, like, who, what? Like, that's such yeah. a weird question to ask someone. <laughs> are you from, who's from Dubai? <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, but yeah, so it's. For me, like Dubai is actually as as weird as it is and as many like flaws as it has. It's actually a pretty cool place to be in the sense that you find a lot of people who are also from a lot of places like mm -hmm. my in Egypt or New Zealand. My story is like really unique right here. It's whatever. Like, right. We're all the same. We're all from three different places. We're all Arab with another passport or whatever, you know. How does that come out in your design? Um. That searching for identity, searching for belonging. How does that, how does it come out in your design? How do you feel? I, I honestly don't think that it's even part of my journey anymore. The search for like culture. You know, culture, but identity. Yeah. The search for identity. That search for belonging, that search for. Mm. I don't, I, I just don't think that I, I, I necessarily need belonging anymore. You don't? I don't think so. I don't know. I Is mean, it because you already feel like you have belonging? I think I have belonging. I think that I have it within my family. I think that we all relate to each other. Mm. Um, I think that I have it like with the friends that I have all over in all these countries that I've been to. Like I, I have at least one best friend in all these countries. You know what right. I mean? No, I, I so totally understand that. It's pretty cool. You yeah. know, like I, I can go to all these places and know that I have like a, a people, you know? Um, so that's cool. Like I have, I have belonging in a personal sense. I don't need it in sort of a. But it doesn't. It doesn't macro. look like in the traditional. I'm using the word tribal, not meaning actual tribal, but mm. traditional tribal sense of like. Yeah. This city, this home, is my belonging. You're just like, this person in this. Yeah. Country. Yeah. Exactly. I. I can't. I can't belong to a city. Like, but doesn't that? I mean, surely. That must come out in your design, even as you're saying that you aren't pulling from a singular, singular place for design. Even mm. like your latest line, yeah. uh, "High in the Sky." Is that right? Ride the sky. Ride yeah. the sky. Um, high in the sky. That's high a good in the one sky too. is close. <laughs> close. And it was three words with the sky. Ride the sky. Yeah. Based off a uh, Esquarian, right? Equestrian. Equestrian. Oh my gosh! Edit that out. He's, Equestrian. He's tired. I am. Right off of, right that came in part from Egypt, but yeah. you also brought it into your modern culture. So you're yeah. still pulling. So how does that that meld mm. of culture? Yeah. So you, yeah, I was gonna go. I was gonna go to that because definitely. It's like it's like pulling it from experiences. And where did this experience happen? It happened for me in Egypt. Like, mm -hmm. where did my equestrian life happen? It was Egypt. Had it happened in New Zealand, it probably would have... educated too. <laughs> I don't understand Sorry, what you just said. <laughs> I'm still, still embarrassed that I swapped that word. Sorry, keep going. I I'm interrupted a, you. I don't even know what you said. That was funny. I'm equestrian. Educated, I said. <laughs> Educated. Uh, all good. Sorry, question. I totally interrupted you. No, it's all good. Um, but yeah, had it had right, it pulled from that time. Yeah, had it happened in New Zealand or Saudi, it probably would have looked a lot different, mm -hmm. right? Because it's a lifestyle, and the lifestyle happens in this certain culture. And so, what's that going to look like? Mm -hmm. uh, so, for this, I was pulling an experience, and this experience happened to be in this country, and so this is how it came out. 
you know. But I feel more like warranted to do that because it's my personal experience that happened in this country. So I can do that. I'm not like, like I said earlier, I can't just go and pull from cultural dress and use it, which a lot of people are able to do as designers. So many designers do it. Mm-hmm. I just don't think I can do it. I have to have sort of a personal aspect to it to be able like to be warranted to actually do that and relate it to a certain place. And do you feel like in that picking from one part, picking culture from another part and pulling it into kind of your your personal experience as a multicultural global citizen, do you feel like that's actually resonating with your group anyways? Because the people that your peer group, they're all third cultured like you are. Yeah, 100%. Mostly all of them are. And so, because so much of our clothing, mm. right, it communicates our identity. Would you, I mean, you're a, a, a <laughs> designer, so I'm, I'm asking, is that true? Okay. Would you say that as a designer, yeah. that the things that we wear is a reflection of a signal of identity? Um. Yes, I do think so. I think that... So what are you signaling to your your peer group to your identity group, that place where you find belonging, you find purpose, you find meeting that tribe, even though it's not localized to mm. a specific nation. What what are the aspects of identity that you are trying to communicate from within your global tribe to say these are the anchors of who we are through your through each piece of clothing? Mm. Mm. Like what's that? What are you? What's that story that you're? Yeah. Even in beyond, like okay, sustainability, beyond right. practicality. It's like that's all the technical stuff, right? You're yeah. Like but what's looking like the, the heart like narrative? The core. Yeah. Um, you see, like the thing is, I, I can't like, I can't tell you what you expect. Uh, no, sorry, not what you expect. I can't tell you what you're gonna feel towards a piece of clothing. You like you're gonna you're gonna feel that all by yourself, right? Mm. Um, There's like this whole thing that I used to research into when I was at uni about like the relationship between a person and their clothing Mm -hmm. and why you make these choices and why you hold on to certain things. What were some of the things, I mean, if you spent a lot of time researching it, like why? Yeah. And so... Why do people do that? Like what's, what are some of the relationships? like? Yeah. So it was, in my mind, it was always like two things. It was either that like you and your clothing are like literally a relationship and either the clothing is dominant or you are dominant. Mm. And so sometimes people will rely on their clothing to tell their story, you know? Like you would look at someone and be like, oh, she's so goth, you know? Like you can, they, and they use it and they want that. They want you to perceive them in Mm -hmm. that way. And so, well, the way that you dress is essentially because for perception, right? Yeah, it's signaling. It's a signal, it's a sign. Yeah. That's, That's what it is. And so you will either dress in a certain way so that, somebody will look at you and immediately know something about you. Mm-hmm. And then maybe they're going to come and talk to you for that specific reason. Yep. Or you're the more dominant person in this human and clothing relationship. <laughs> and you're wearing something that's a little bit like less personality than you are or same personality as you. And so someone won't actually be able to make a presumption or an assumption about you. But isn't that, I guess my, clearly here comes my viewpoint. Yeah. Wouldn't, isn't that signal, isn't that still signaling, isn't that person who's saying, I'm going to maybe mute my clothing because I want my personality to come out. Mm -hmm. Isn't that still signaling something about 
aren't they still using clothing to convey that message? Yes, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so I think, and so for me, that's where I want to be with the clothing that I create. I want it to be that you choose this because it meshes with your personality. Mm. You know, like it, it works with what you're trying to say to the world. It's not, I don't want it to, to talk for you. I'm not, I'm not trying to create clothing that's going to speak for you or be your personality. I don't want that. I want, I want it to mesh with you, speak with you, not for you type thing. So instead of like loud clothing mm. where people are trying to attract attention with their clothing, yeah. you're saying you're looking to create more muted lines. Yeah. I mean, it's not necessarily muted, you know, it still has personality, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's not part of a of a subculture per se, you know? It's not part of something where it's like you can immediately point that person out and be like, oh, she's this or he's that, you know? Can you unpack that a little more? Right, because I don't come from a design background. I'm right. sure a lot of people who are listening to this don't come from design backgrounds right, right. either. Yeah, well, I mean, one of them like that is, is goth, for example, mm-hmm. as a subculture. Like you look at someone and you're like, oh, she's goth or you look at a guy and you're like oh he's a skater boy and you can just tell it like immediately by the way that they dress and for example okay skater boys let's say it's a great it's a really cool look it's so cool to the extent that brands now of people who are not in the skate scene at all are taking inspiration from it because it's that cool you know but like they're not warranted to do it the skater boy is warranted to do it because he literally skates or Mm -hmm. she whatever you know like so it's, you're part of a subculture and you want people to know that you're part of that subculture. You see what I mean? Yes. Yeah. And so a skater boy can create a clothing brand that's for skate clothing and sell it to people that skate. And then that's a whole little subculture community situation, right? For And then, yeah, so for me, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to do that. Even though I did create clothing that's inspired by equestrian, I can do that because I do have equestrian training. Mm-hmm. Some of it actually can be worn <laughs> for equestrian. But don't, don't but you I, think that's, you're... But that's not necessarily what I'm trying to do, you know? But aren't you creating for a subculture anyways? You're creating for that subculture that is not any specific... Like, because classically, like the skater boy, he is in that subculture and we we see him as a one-dimensional character that doesn't really exist outside of the skate, skate part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The goth, the goth girl, like... We see her as a one-dimensional character. They were like, "Oh, you're X, Y, and Z. We know, you know we yeah, know who yeah, you yeah. are. Here's your box." Yeah. But you're not in a box. No, because and- you're all these other cultures. But then, don't you then fall into a box of third cultured with all the other third? Cul- I mean, I'm third culture. Right. I move. I don't know, probably forty times in my life now. Okay. So. I'm speaking it from not from the outside pointing in. I'm 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 on the inside in of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I. I had a long conversation the other day with a friend right here where we're talking about clothing Mm -hmm. and what clothes should I wear? Yeah. Like, do I wear a nice tailored suit Mm -hmm. or do I wear all black? Right. Right. Which, which angle am I going to go? Am I going to go super casual, like the same thing every day? Mm -hmm. Or am I going to go super high end professional? Yeah. And trying to figure out, like, what signal am I trying to, what conversation am I trying to start? Yeah. And I always find myself stuck in that world because I'm not just the skater boy, right? I'm not just a one-dimensional. Yeah. And it seems like maybe what I'm hearing is that you design your clothing to 
not be one dimensional, but three dimensional, where it's actually fitting into that third cultured person's kind of persona. In a sense, yeah. Like it's, I think that, like you said, it's a signal, it's a calling. Like it's like a call for all these people to come over here. Right. You know, and in the same way that the goth person would be like, There's and it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. mean that they're one dimensional in themselves. Totally. You know, but it's like, I only want to speak to you if you're goth. Like only come talk to me if you're also goth and then you'll see all of my other dimensions. Right. 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 Same goes with, I mean, there's not as many subcultures as there used to be right now, but like, actually there are. I there's more probably. There's, there's more in different parts of the world, you know, like you go to the J- Japan and there's the Harajuku girls and yeah, yeah. all the people, you know, like it's, it's a call. It's a call. Like it's, I'm going to, I'm going to dress like this way so that if you're in the same subculture, you, you come and speak to me. Right. And if not, don't, you so, know. But aren't you, wouldn't you say that, <coughs> I guess, and maybe again, this, I haven't researched it like you have. Yeah. My perception is it doesn't matter what people wear. They're, everyone's trying to signal to that specific subculture. Yeah. So even you were saying, I don't want my clothing to speak. I want it to be more integrated. Mm-hmm. This is coming out of ignorance. This question isn't, this okay. is, question's coming out of ignorance, okay, okay. just so you know. Yeah. Isn't it, isn't it the, the clothing still speaking to that specific culture, but maybe it's not so stereotypical exactly it, it's always going to be speaking okay. like your clothing is always going to say something so you're not saying that your clothing you don't want your clothing to not speak no it's not not speaking at all it's just it's meshing with you okay like they're you're with speaking the, together to the third cultured subculture yeah but not necessarily only to the third culture subculture it's more to like i don't know what kind of life you have you know mm. whatever life you have you can you know like it's it's just a call to like whoever. Okay. You know, if if you feel like you relate to this, mm. if you and and you're you're the only person that can know that. If you look at something and you relate to it, you're gonna know that, you know? Like in the same way that you look at my stuff and you're like, I, I can't I can't buy into that. Like I don't <laughs> There's some stuff I'm like, I don't, I don't get I, it, you know? Yeah. And that's normal. Like that's totally fine. But then like, again, you, I'm not in that I'm not in the design scene. So But the, it but it doesn't have to be that way. Like there are there are people who have bought stuff from me who are not from the design mm. scene. It's just that they're like, whoa, I, I looked at that and I liked it. And that's it. That's as far as it needs to go. Mm. I liked it because I feel like I need something like that or it works with me or it, I feel comfortable wearing this, you know? Yeah. I f- like comfortable, not right. just physically, but like actually. As myself. Yeah, as myself in this, you know? Do you feel, do you feel like you have that same relationship with the clothing that you design as other people who are like you, you feel like the relationship's different. Like when you design something, you're saying like you can't guess what someone else is gonna. I think it was even on an interview you mm-hmm. said this too that you know every individual is gonna have a different feeling. They're gonna come away with a different emotion yeah. when they see each piece. Yeah, which is kind of this that difference that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you have a different relationship as the creator with your creation than someone that's buying your product? I, and what? How would you describe your relationship? Yeah, to your clothing, it's to like your designs. One, it's so different. <laughs> it's a very different relationship. Like quite often, I do sometimes wear what I make, but not always. Sometimes I actually, I I I make some of my clothes as well, and sometimes it's stuff that I make for myself only. You know, so I make things for me specifically that are not, but I don't always wear what I make for my brand. Mm. You know, and so. I think that in a in a way, 
the things that I do for my brand, yes, they are mostly like researched and thoughtful and thought through and all of that. But it also is a creative outlet for me. And a lot of times I can't like, like I put it out and I don't want to take it back yeah, in a way. Yeah, Does no, that make sense? I, I totally. Yeah. I totally know. It's like you've worked with it so long yeah. that you don't want to see it again. I don't, I can't take it back, you <laughs> yeah, know, like yeah. I'm, I'm giving it now. I don't, I don't want it back. But that's not to say that this is what happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I make things and I'm like, oh, okay, this is actually like, I, I want to wear this because I really relate to this specific piece, you mm. know? Um, but it doesn't, it's not with everything. Most of the time it's like, okay, cool. This is for, for, for others, not for me. I think that's, I think that's a really interesting insight (laughs) as a creative. Um, I'm a creative too, where I think it's for all creatives to hear that, that their relationship with their work, each piece after you finish it, it's like, okay, that was a creative expression. Now that's outside of you, you can evaluate it and say, actually, I, this wasn't made for me. It was made for someone else. Yeah. And you can walk away. You can still sell that piece, but yeah. you can walk away from it yeah. and not have have it hang over you as kind of like judgment in no, some ways. exactly. Yeah. I think that's a, yeah. I really like your articulation on that. Thanks. <laughs> I did. And, I did. Yeah. And, and that goes for like, even like the illustrations that I do. Like I'll, I'll get art from other friends of mine to put up on my wall, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to put my own art up on my wall. It's kind of narcissistic. It's a bit, nar- it's a bit weird, you know? <laughs> it's a bit odd. <laughs> like a lot of times I'm like, well, I could because I've got a bunch of it, so I might as well. Right. But then I'm like, that's so weird though. Like imagine someone walks into your house and you're like, yeah, I did all of these. <laughs> like I just, I couldn't do it, you know? It's so narcissistic. It's weird, right? Yeah, Like it's it, really it could weird. be one amongst others, but not everything. But it's just saying that I don't, still don't have anything up on my walls. Like, that's mine. I could go so so far on those thoughts, but I won't. But yeah, that's so <laughs> narcissistic, huh? Yeah. It's like the person that's like, has photos of themselves all around their that's room. That's also really strange. It's so me. strange. Because like, I, <laughs> I, like I, my mirror is like in my closet. Like, it's literally in my world. I'll, I'll open it just to see if I look normal and then I'll close. I don't want it. I don't want to pass by and see myself, you know? like Yeah, so that I, is I so funny. So weird, yeah. Anyway. So where can people find you? Where can people find me? Especially now that you're beginning to post stories every day. Yeah. You're going live every day. <laughs> you're holding like events every other week Ooh. now that you're just like really putting yourself out there just, and telling your story with out here. extreme vulnerability yeah well i mean my website instagram pretty much okay yeah do you want me, do you want me to like say those are you getting into tiktok are you going <laughs> no, there absolutely not <laughs> my niece is there <laughs> and that's as far as anywhere near me will be like that's okay. it sometimes i'll like photobomb her but that's about it okay. i'm not no I barely even like show myself and myself and my own st- myself. That's so real that I just said that. It's okay. I said, what did I say? Asquarian? No, but like myself is a real thing. There's, oh, you know, I mean, multiple I'm selves. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, we don't have to go there. We're really, really going deep. <laughs> what was your name again? Who am I talking to now? Oh God. Um, but yeah, no, I'm not. No. Why don't you show? Are you are you going to begin showing your face more? I mean, I do a little bit, right? Like a tiny bit, but not. I'm not gonna do it more, to be honest. Like, it, but I thought you said you're gonna be more vulnerable and begin to tell your story more. I I will, but I don't think that my face has to be there. 
so much. Why not? I don't know. I just, I think it's kind of vain to like constantly be showing your face to people. But I mean, if you're, yeah, it's vain if you're talking about yourself, but if you're trying to add value to people's worlds and yeah. change, like impact people's lives and help like talk, people see. Like talk to my camera? Like, should I do that? Well, I, I mean, know. but you're not talking to your camera. You're talking to the people <laughs> to the, who. Yeah, behind the camera. And if you're ad- adding value to their to their world, you're not being narcissistic in it. But yeah, you're helping people grow and mature as individuals to share in your vision of helping children sharing your vision of having a more sustainable world isn't that worth it maybe i feel like potentially people listen more when they like know who you are and can see you in a way right because they're identifying with you as a as an individual human being right because we don't want to like i don't want to connect with one in four i want to connect with you yeah right Right. The, why is Red Bull so successful? It's because we see person after person after person that mm. are great, talented athletes. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. Red Bull does give you wings. <laughs> I don't oh, drink. God. I don't drink energy drink drinks. But right. It's like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're identifying with yeah. this. This with tribe. A human. With a human. Yeah, exactly. I think you should. I'm, I mean, I might. I might. I might get into it. I'm like. You know, I'm just going to do it and be like, Lucas made me do it. Like, well, I'm sure Hera <laughs> would say the same thing, right? Probably. Yes, she would. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But we'll see. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> Good. Well, I look forward to seeing you and your face and your stories right. at events and on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Maybe TikTok even one day. LinkedIn, maybe. I don't <laughs> LinkedIn, know. LinkedIn, yes. Okay, there TikTok, you go. No. <laughs> <laughs> LinkedIn. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much for your time, for Thanks taking for all these hard me. questions. Any, what would be like... Uh, what would be here? Here's a closing, closing like one two punch question. Okay, mm-hmm. to close out this episode. All right, I'm feeling the pressure. Let's go. Super, super high pressure. Um, this is going on your eternal record. No. Um, what would for someone listening? Mm. What would be your one piece of advice for people to take action and shape the next? year to two years of their life like what would be like your one piece of advice walking away from this episode walking away from your brand Mm. what should they what action steps should they take i think that one of them would be just be more mindful Mm. with your act with your life like how you're living your life and more conscious with the decisions that you make all the small like all the small decisions all all the actions that you do in your life, you need to be conscious of be aware. them. Be, be aware of your choices and like the consequences of them. That's great. So be aware of your choices. Yeah. Yeah. Be aware. And mindful with your life. Mindful. And others' lives, you know, how your life is impacting other people's lives. Because it is. Because it is. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for Thank having you. me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Own the Future. I'm always so blessed and honored to know that you are here at the end of the episode, still listening. It means so much to me. Thank you for listening to this episode and this year, 2019. This is the last episode of 2019. And I want to thank you. Please, if you got two hours into this and you're still here, I ask you to do one thing. Share it with one friend who you think will also benefit from listening to this podcast. And finally, 
If you haven't got my book yet, Anchored the Discipline to Stop Drifting, I highly recommend it as it will be a great tool and resource for you as you go into 2020. As always, I'm Lucas Grobot. You are a change maker. And remember, if you own your story, you can own the future.